Hi, everybody. Welcome in to the Irish NFL show. My name is Michael McQuaid. Joined Colm Cronin, Brian O'Leary. Can you boys all hear me? Yeah. Oh, good so far, Michael. Okay, yeah. So far, so good. Tempted to mess with your head and say no, but yes, we can hear you. During the intro, uh, the sprinklers just went off and I am completely soaked. So this is really worth it so far. Uh, welcome in. Colin, start off with you. Good NFL weekend so far? Yeah, a fascinating NFL weekend. I think there's a whole host of stuff to talk about. Some uh, some big, big results. Uh, so, some... Um, some surprises, uh, some uh, plenty of things we just we take for granted at this point. Tom Brady doing Tom Brady things, um, but lots and lots to discuss. Uh, Brian, what caught, caught your eye uh, yesterday? I would go with the Raiders. They caught my eye um, again. Two weeks in a row, they've had reasonably comfortable games, and the scores don't really reflect how strong they were. Uh, Derek Hart had a ninety-one point one percent completion rate five drives in a row with scores against an eagles defense that for some reason despite being scored upon their defense quarter refused to change the scheme in any at any stage during the game so yeah i, I touched on it last week when we were in london that i felt if they won against denver i, I was confident they would beat the eagles and i know to charge them play so right now they're at the top of the division and i don't think many people would have thought that and look we'll get to the the chaos that is the chiefs very shortly but um, I would say it was nice to actually be at home watching the NFL this weekend. Haven't been to London for the past two weekends, and uh, the hect the hectic schedule that we had throughout the two weeks. It was nice to actually sit back, enjoy a Giants win, and enjoy Red Zone. Mark, what about what about you? What was uh, what were your some of your highlights? Yeah, so actually defences were one of the things that was fascinating me this week, Colm. You know, a couple of defences that have been a bit maligned stepped up. Green Bay finally got some red zone defence sorted out. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers, whose defence has been criticised, obviously made the rather light work of the Chicago Bears. But it's funny, you kicked off by saying, you know, what we take for granted. And, you know, you know Tom Brady throwing 600, I'm sure we'll come to that. Matt Stafford uh, throwing for his 300th and a really fascinating game between the Rams and Lions. But something we only had seven games of, but I hope we never take for granted. Um, and yes, Bengals fans will talk plenty about it, but is already the connection between Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase. Uh, 754 yards receiving already, more than any receiver ever through their first seven games of their NFL career. Um, and going off for 200 yesterday. I mean, some of the stuff is just fascinating. So plenty to talk about, including the fact, gentlemen, because this might come up once or 20 times during this show, the week seven of the NFL also featured on the same weekend that Liverpool beat Man United 5-0 in the Premier League. And as I share this, this show with three avid Man United fans, I, I can only imagine there might be an illusion or two to that game as well. So just just putting it out there, boys. I'm not sure. I'm the whole start of that show. Anyway, yeah. Max Max ended the show. <laughs> I I think we uh, we may as well move right on yeah, to uh, the the performance of uh, yesterday, which was the the brilliant Bengals. Um, Brian, what did what did you make of what? Uh, of, of look, let's let's call it what it was. It was a beatdown in Baltimore. 
It was a beat down in Baltimore, but it was 13 to a half time. And I don't think anybody out there would have thought that the, the Bengals would have won convincingly as they did. Look, they were well in the game. And like, even going into the second half, I felt they have a real opportunity. And we touched on it on the show at the weekend. I think the fact that two, Mark and um, Michael picked the Bengals shows how far they've come. And Chase, and, like Mark's and this combination that Burrow and Chase over 200 yards. What struck me, and it's more from a Ravens point of view, is Having said on the show yesterday morning that I felt that they would double coverage chase because that's what they did last weekend on the charges and it worked so effectively that they would they would come in with a similar enough game plan for this game and they didn't. They put Humphreys solely on chase throughout the whole game, never looked to correct it when they saw it, how productive chase was being in the game and then he goes off that touchdown and it was a bit of a, it was a great play but at the same time the tackling I thought was pretty poor by the Ravens guys. But again, touching back on the Bengals, we touched on it a couple of weeks ago how productive they've been on defense, that they had more sacks at this stage of the season that they had throughout the entirety of last season. And yesterday, five sacks, they took away the run pass option from Jackson, and if you, sorry, from Lamar. And if you do that, you know, it kind of becomes very one-dimensional. As the game went on, you saw they were very ineffective on offense. It's a big win, and I can understand why all these Bengal fans are very chirpy today. I, I thought they won the division this morning, but not to be it is in there for a few weeks to go before that's all confirmed. Mark, what was your take on uh, the Bengals yesterday? Yeah, I mean, Colin, there are there were a couple of negatives, and I'm going to start with them because there's so many positives to talk about. But like, I mean, the run game was pretty contained for most of the game. Obviously, uh, Mixon and uh, Mickon, I think it is, broke off longer runs at the end of the game. Obviously, when it was you know stop it or bust from the Ravens, but they were somewhat contained. And when you look at the offensive targets, it is the Jamar Chase show and, you know, Boyd and, and Higgins underneath a little bit. But you know, there are very few targets there in terms of other options for Burrow in the same way. But the positives are so strong. I mentioned at the start about defences. This season, I'm looking around and I don't see that many good defences, like actual good defences. If you think about it, we thought the Bears were going to be a substantial defense. They're not. We thought the Broncos were going to be there. We thought the Giants were going to be there. They're really not. And most of the contenders have powerful offenses and pretty flawed defenses. The Bengals' defense, though, is for real. To ball up Lamar Jackson like they did, they got five sacks against him, for Christ's sake. And the man is like lightning in a bottle. So that is not an easy thing to do. And the one thing I'll say about this Bengals team that really struck me halfway through. It's like, they're now scary. Like, Bengals under, you know, um, let's only go back a couple of years, under the Andy Dalton years, they didn't, they'd never scared you. You'd think to yourself, okay, they'll make the playoffs and stuff like that, but they won't do anything. This team started, I think it was punt, field goal, punt, punt, but you never felt like they were out of it. The defense kept them close. The offense always looks like it could explode. Now they're actually scary. Now they're actually for real and that is a sea change from the bengals um that we've known in the past uh big this was a huge game i think we kind of called it beforehand like this is the biggest regular season game they've had in about five years um and fundamentally puts them in pole position now in that division they've got to keep the momentum going but enjoy it now like enjoy the moments because bengals fans should be cock a hoop today five and two got that key divisional win um and they won it deservedly going away what about yourself, Colin? Because, I mean, I know you were watching this one avidly on Sky the other day. Um, I, I, like, what 
I thought was brilliant for the Bengals was the way in which you called it out there, Mark, the response to the Ravens, right? I was fascinated to see how the Ravens were going to approach this because they're usually so blitz heavy. Uh, and early on, they got, they got pressure on Burrow. But Burrow responded accordingly. And as Brian said, they the Ravens didn't change personnel. But Humphrey's supposed to be CB1. He's supposed to be one of the top guys yeah. in the league. So you expect that he's going to be able to, to contain Jamar Chase. But, I mean, Chase is having himself a, a season. If Chase keeps going the way he is, he's going to absolutely smash Justin Jefferson's uh, record that he, he set last year. And talk about scary. Uh, Joe Burrow had those two lads to throw to in college. Imagine what that, that was like for opposing defenses at that point. The Bengals, since 1990, they've started five and two six times. They've all, um, they, this is their sixth. They've gone to the playoffs the last five times. You imagine that they will be playoff bound again. But it definitely, if you are the Steelers watching this, or, or, the rest of the, the division, you're now, you know, sitting up and, and taking notice. As you said, under Dan, Andy Dalton, you know, they, they were solid at times, but they, they weren't scary. Now they are capable of, of really uh, striking fear, I think, in, into the heart of everyone because Burrow is a, a supremely talented uh, QB and uh, very, very tough. And look, the, the Bengals fans, long-suffering, absolutely uh, deserve this one. I can understand the, the celebrations uh, today. Um, I suppose the uh, the next talking point uh, after after the Bengals, obviously, look, that, that was the, the biggest talking point of the season, but the or biggest talking point of the evening, the biggest talking point of the season might be the Kansas City Chiefs who now have the same record as the uh, Denver Broncos. What did you make of the Chiefs yesterday, Brian? I thought Patrick Mahomes is the guy that's supposed to be striking the daggers into the hearts of many a team and not, not this Bengals team. Four sacks yesterday for Mahomes, four interceptions. Um, the wheels have completely come off. Andy Reid came out with a very interesting quote after the game. Was, I'm seeing things now I've never experienced with this team. And to me, that sounds like they're not all, they're not, they're not all buying into where Andy's preaching, or maybe I'm not saying it's coming to the end of the line, far from it, but you know, something has gone amiss because this defense has completely unraveled. And the offensive lines, for a certain extent, has completely unraveled as well because Orlando Brown does not look like the player in which they traded for from the Ravens. The only player who's really effective and having having good performances is, is Tooney, but you can't do it on his own. They have a rookie playing at right tackle, the right guard is um, sorry, they have a rookie at right guard, the right tackle is ineffective, and Mahomes is struggling. Um, He's struggling because he's not getting any time and the players down the field aren't delivering. It was interesting yesterday to see the Titans put two safeties, you know, in the middle of the field. So let's let's take Calcio of the game and make him ineffective and let's see can they do it with Hill and Hill hasn't been playing as well as previous seasons. So they really are struggling. And for a Titans team that defensively has, let's be fair, it was they've won some big games this year in Seattle and again against Buffalo on Monday night. They've struggled defensively. So the hold. Mahomes to three points or the Chiefs offense to three points. Just, it's a significant win for them going forward because they've got a big one this weekend with the Colts having haven't seen the Colts win last night. And then this is this is a career record for all the wrong reasons. The Chiefs under Mahomes have never scored these type of points. He's never had this yardage in terms of what he threw for yesterday. It's, it's the lowest of all lows. And 
It's interesting to see how they get on next week. He also went off injured, but it looks like he's going to be fine for next week's game. Mark, what was uh, your take on the, the Chiefs and, and where do they go from here? Um, that I mean, That's the key question, Colm. 17 turnovers they've had through seven games. Um, you know, we're saying it's not like an Andy Reid show. It's not like uh, Pat, what Patrick Mahomes has shown today. But the reality is now it's not a one-game overreaction. It's not a two-game overreaction. I mean, we're talking about through seven games, we've seen very clearly who they are. And Brian makes it a really good point there. You know, I back, look, I backed the Chiefs to win this game because I felt that the Titans' secondary was there to be exploited. And fundamentally, either Mahomes isn't getting time in the pocket or Hill isn't getting open particularly because usually you run through two deep safeties and you kind of open the underneath quite clearly. Um, but they're just not doing it. They're not functioning the way they used to. Um and against the Titans, I really thought it was just going to be a matter of carving them up because they have been carved up. Josh Allen, we only saw carve them up recently. Think about two games ago, and let's turn our attention to the Titans. Two games ago, they lost to the Jets, and it looked like, what are they doing? Okay, they're still not going to lose the AFC South, but what are they doing as a team? And now, look, back-to-back wins against the Bills and the Chiefs. Um, last season, obviously, the cream of the AFC. So... Um, they deserve all credit for bouncing back in that way. Derek Henry breaking out the jump pass. Ryan Tanhill staying super efficient, taking care of the ball. They're not doing anything stupid. And they do still have downfield a degree of an X factor, obviously, between the the the, the wide receiver combo they've got the play there. So credit to the Titans. The Chiefs are in a tailspin. There's no two ways about it. Do I feel still that they've got time to get it right? Well, yes, I do, because even if you feel like the division starts to get out of reach, maybe the Chargers or the Raiders continue the momentum and pull away, the AFC wildcard spots are actually very com- you know, combined at the moment. So there's still plenty of opportunity there. But if they don't turn it around soon, when does it go a little bit into the panic stations? Um, and that's where I'd say it. Now, I know we'll talk about other games in a second, but Colin, I mean, like, they're your division. You've hated them for the last five years when they've won back-to-back-to-back-to-back-to-back-to-back division titles. Is it um, a little bit of joy and enjoyment about this, or are you kind of just thinking it's the calm before the storm? Uh, yeah, there's a bit of schadenfreude there, of course. I mean, the the, the Chiefs, who I thought would, uh, you know, do uh, be able to overcome yesterday. I expected a high-scoring game, but I thought the Chiefs would score points. And the fact that they they didn't I, is very telling because not only yesterday did we see the issues on defense, but we saw issues on offense. Look, they still have some wonderful players, and um, you you never know, I suppose, how teams are are going to respond when they hit the. Is this rock bottom? Can, can do they now go away? Do they circle the wagons? Do they look to to get back on track? But you would have to say that there were all sorts of, of concerns. And just um, one point on, like Derek Henry was held to 86 yards yesterday, though there was a, a really lovely piece with him in Peter King's um, Football Morning in America, really understated. Um, he's on course to uh, kind of, depending on health, kind of 
I suppose, look at Jim Brown's kind of records and the fact that he talked, you know, so highly of Jim Brown and can't believe that he's in that sort of company. But yesterday, as I said, Mark, like he he that jump pass uh, was was a thing of beauty. And just to see Derek Henry break that out, and, uh, you know, there, there are other trick plays that we're going to come and, and talk to. Um, but you would have to say in a seven-day stretch, having lost to the Jets, to go and do a number on both the Bills and the Chiefs is uh, is serious business. Brian? I was just going to say the narrative of the NFL is so tricky because uh, on Friday morning after the Broncos have lost to the Browns, there's a lot of doom and gloom around Denver fans in terms of the season's going to get away from us very quickly. Here. And yet the Chiefs are in, the, are in the same position in terms of the record. And if the Giants were somehow to pull off, which I think was a very, it's a very big ask, to go in and beat the Chiefs next Monday night. The Giants will be three and five and the Chiefs will be three and five. So it's just how one team's I suppose looked at and compared to other teams because everybody just assumes at some stage the Chiefs are going to get it right. But are they going to get it right? Because this defense just keeps proving time and time again this season that just not up to it. They made changes last week, which I wouldn't say it worked that much because Washington were quite poor in that second half. They've made change, they've addressed it to a certain extent, they've removed players out, brought players in. And it's not working. And it might work next week. And it might work the week after. And I know Mark's point to around the wild cards because of the extra wild card price. It could be nine wins might be enough to get you a wild card. But you know, at what stage will it start working? Because you run out, you can run out of games very quickly in the NFL before you know it. You're you're struggling to even make a wild card spot. Yeah. Hey, if you're a Patriots fan, you're praying that nine wins will get you a wild card. <laughs> is all I can say. Um, but that being said, I mean, Colin, you kind of alluded to it there. There was a, you know, there was a trick play, the Derrick Henry jump pass in the Titans game, which uh, was obviously entertaining to see. Bit of a Tebow jump pass, come come back to the fruition. But there was another game where there was more than one or two trick plays. I mean, the Lions versus the Rams. Did you see that first quarter coming? Is all I'll say. Sean McVay certainly didn't see it coming. As, as a Broncos fan, what the Lions did in the opening 15 minutes yesterday was more exciting than anything that the Broncos have done in the past five <laughs> years. And kudos to Dan Campbell and the Lions for putting it up to the Rams. They had to, they had to go for it. They did go for it. Ultimately, it's all for naught. But you would have to say that clearly the team is still playing for him. Clearly, he's trying to to win. This is not a team that has down tools. And they just ran up against, I guess, a team in, in the Rams who, you know, are a really good team. Now, Penny Sewell standing up to Aaron Donald, I thought was great to see. If you're a Lions fan, that's kind of what you want to see is your players not backing down. But Donald still gets the pressure, still causes all sorts of issues, and Cooper Cup is, is still Cooper Cup. So the Rams also um, made a, an interesting move in trading one of their starting linebackers to the Broncos today. Interested to see, because when you trade a starter, is there a, something bigger in the, the works there? It might be something to, to keep an eye on. Brian, what did you make of the Rams-Lions yesterday? I think Donald's frustration is by the fact that he didn't really have a very good game. Uh, was they won defensively. If you look at the stats today, he didn't have one pressure on the quarterback. And I don't think he's playing that well this season. Penny Seal did a reasonably good job on him. You, you go on, Mark, have a go at it. Check the stats. Not one pressure on the quarterback yesterday. Came from other players, not him. But uh, I thought the Lions, like, the Lions were going to have to do something eccentric to win the game. That'd be fair. You know, they were never going to win the games going up and down the field on them. 
we're alluding to the first drive. Yeah, the very fast um, drive, scored a touchdown, onside kick. Didn't do much with that particular drive. Then they were punting, fake punt. But to fake punt once and do it, and then to do it again in the game, like McVeigh must be, like how is McVeigh not realising the way they were playing, they were always going to be going for these particular scenarios. And to be seen, to be done twice, he didn't look a very happy man yesterday despite the victory. The Lions, you know, what, what failed the Lions yesterday was they were in the red zone five times. They didn't score one touchdown after. So they drove, they were effective, they got into the red zone in the right positions, they just couldn't put it away. And people are blaming Goff today for the interception. Yeah, fine, it was a good interception by Rams, but the reality was he had a reasonably good game, but when it came to the crunch in the red zone, they couldn't they couldn't punch it in. And ultimately that's what cost him the game because yeah. he only lost by nine by nine points. But Brian, the, the reason I was looking at you funny is that interception was the one where Donald actually forced pressure up the inside. He got inside pressure on. Maybe they didn't record it in the stat sheet, but he's the one who forced Goff to release. I was commentary the stat sheet today, wasn't I? Well, I mean, he was the one that forced Goff to release it early, and it was a bit of a wing duck and everything. Yeah, it, it was, was kind yeah. of like one of those plays. Well, Donald will step up, and Ramsey steps up when you needed to. I mean, bear in mind, it was 25-19 at that point. Yeah. You know, a touchdown would have put them in the lead. The problem there, though, is I agree, Goff had a good game other than that, but that's the problem with Goff, is that when it matters, do you really trust him? And the most pointed thing, and you can say this is a bit harsh, right? But Jared Goff is 0-14 when Sean McVay is in his head coach. And in the post-game interview, McVay wouldn't be drawn on any comments about Goff. Like, he was kind of very cagey. He was just like, oh, you know, he had a good game. I'm not really going to talk about him. But then he's asked about Stafford, and he said, oh, yeah, he was great in the clutch. He's our leader. And a couple of other superlatives. And you can't help but feel a couple of those are a little bit of Bob comments back against, you know, uh, Jared Goff in some respects. You know, it's like Mo Salah saying after a game and everything, like, oh, United defense played well. You know, they only let me score three goals. It was, it was, it was okay. You know, these type of things, they add up, they add up. He made um, the comments, he made the comments during the, the press conference leading up to the game. He said, it's great to have a quarterback who listens to the play in which I'm calling. He did, he did, but I mean, like, he he doubled down on it after the game as well. He's not letting up in that regard. Um, look, Cooper Cup had a great game as well, ten for one hundred fifty six. Um, always deserves a call now. It's almost, you know, otherworldly the 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 mental connection between him and Stafford at times. It feels like that they 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 can read the play and they're they're there for each other. But that was a lot tougher than the Rams would have expected. Um, and in fairness to the Lions. You can see what they did with Don Mulback, the long snapper, in honouring him. Obviously, when they didn't make 53, he actually joined back of the team as a special assistant. We talked, I think, on, on Thursday night, or on the Sunday show, sorry, about Chris Spielman and the um, the kind of pride of the Lions war for him, where they got him reading it out and kind of released it on social. Uh, and Campbell, much as I kind of joked about like the dude at the first instance, he is a former player. And he absolutely got them playing hard. And if there's any solace to take out of this, Lions fans, where you're 0-7 and it's not looking like a good season, there are these little baby steps where it feels like the franchise is trying to take the right direction. There's a group of men there that are fighting hard and actually delivering and still showing up week in, week out. Um, can they keep it going all the way through? Yeah, I don't know. But like, unlike some teams, <coughs> the Jets, they certainly haven't seen to have given up on the season. Just make a quick point. You're saying baby steps, Mark. Well, a lot of people seem to think they're, they're going to make the final step and win next week because the Lions came out 
the Lions, pardon the pun, the, the betting Lions came out for next weekend's games and the Lions are getting three points uh, against the Eagles. And one very interesting note I saw this evening, 90% of the bets that are gone on the NFL next weekend are all on the Lions to beat the Eagles. People are obviously confident after watching the performance yesterday. Well, I mean, they, they, you know, they've got something to be said there. And, you know, Lions kill Eagles like, I don't know, Birds kill United teams and stuff like that. I don't know. I'm going to find some more relevance to this. I mean, some games are actually over by half time and everything, a bit like Liverpool Man United. But one game that wasn't over by half time was the Falcons versus the Dolphins, the two London teams up against each other and slugging it out. Colm, how did you find uh, our, our good friends from both London games, being we know the team so well at this stage, uh, and how that game went down? I thought it was it encapsulated both teams kind of perfectly because you saw the good and bad in, in each of them. We saw good Tua in ways, but we saw bad Tua with the two in, interceptions. And I've seen a lot of comments today that Tua is not the problem in Miami. Is he the solution, though? That he's There are a number of problems, I think. I think the other thing that struck me was Look, Kyle Pitts, 163 receiving yards, second most in a, a single game by a rookie tight end since the merger in 1970. Um, he Look, he, he's growing to be just a phenomenal player. And I think Maddie Ryan realized as the game went on just what a mismatch he is. And the Dolphins tried all sorts of things to, to try to stop him, but he kept coming up time and time and time again. The the Dolphins just cannot find ways to to win at at the moment. The the Falcons are absolutely a work in progress. This is a team that will undoubtedly lose a, a significant number of games. I think, unfortunately, over the the rest of, of the season, but they'll always be in with a puncher's chance when you have Matt Ryan, who is playing really well, and Kyle Pitts. But I do have huge concerns about their defense. I think what we saw yesterday just kind of sums up two in many ways. Um, he scored, sorry, he, he throws for four touchdowns, but yet he throws for two interceptions. And the interceptions in particular, one in the red zone and one just after they've had their own interception by their defence, who don't seem to pick up many interceptions in terms of how they're playing this season. And the momentum seems to be swinging a little bit towards um, Michael Zinner now. The momentum seemed to be swinging towards the Dolphins at that stage. And then, obviously, he throws the interception. They were key points in the game. I mean, in the red zone, to take another score off the score there, who knows how it ends up. So it just shows the inconsistency of, of the man. And they left too much time on the clock. You know, it's kind of the reality of the Dolphins' defense these days. They can't be trusted. And the Falcons drove down and got a well-deserved win. The Falcons are definitely going in the right direction. And Mark's question last week around how long Brian Flores is going to be around is starting to kind of the heat that. The heat is growing on there. Uh, interesting enough, I saw one since evening, uh, Colin, I don't know if you saw it yet. Two has been suggested to the Broncos. That the Broncos really are considering making a move, uh, more so because they believe this Watson trade will happen either Wednesday this week or Monday of next week. The reason why they're cutting it off towards the 40 is because both teams will be focusing on the game and the trade won't go down. But there's talk that Tua potentially could be going to Denver. I don't know if you picked up on that report this evening, but a few people are picking up on it, including Michael Lombardi. 
Well, maybe the mile-high air might help through it to throw it a, a little bit further, but that wouldn't fill me with confidence, I would have to say. Just about to ask you that question, I think you've already answered it. I, th- I think I think Colm's face said it all, Brian, to be honest with you. I mean, you, you hit on the problem. He did the exact same thing as he did in London. Uh, the defence creates a takeaway, and the very first play he has, he gives it straight back to the opposition. Like that is backbreaking in terms of the momentum swings uh, and is devastating in that regard. Look, he brought them down the field. He put them in the lead, obviously, or leveled it up, sorry. Obviously, the Falcons were left with enough time, however, to go down and kick the winning field goal. Um, again, Matt Ryan leaning on Carl Pitts. Um, I have to call out because it's National Tight Ends Day, not only Carl Pitts, but my new favorite man crush, uh, Mike Gazicki did reach up and steal the soul out of a defensive back by ripping the ball out of the air, out of nowhere, which uh, I, I particularly enjoyed, it must be said. But the biggest problem for me in this Dolphins team is just they go through these patches. They've now had five out of the last six games. They've had a period, including this game, where they've conceded 20 points or more without reply. That type of flow and i mean because we heard it a little bit the narrative you seem to start the first quarter well you seem to end the first fourth quarter well what happens in the middle almost happened again in this falcons game they just have this flow where it just goes to to pot so that's five out of the last six now they're going to go to buffalo where they've lost the last six games against buffalo um it's not looking good i would say in relation to it um it's a bit like you know Liverpool going to Man United doesn't look good for Man United in that instance. I read I read a good point today. He said they've got a lot of great players, but they don't have too many average players. And what they meant by that was you'll have your waddles and your your tight end, and they even include to it in the great players. But the problem is the players around the they're average, and there's not enough average players to help the team as a core, and that's the reason why they're not winning the games. Strange one. But look, um, moving on, there were some other uh, fun games. I mean, look, I won't keep making jokes about Liverpool Man United being over at halftime, but one game in the NFL that was over halftime was the Bears versus the Bucks. I mean, Colin, we could talk about Tom Brady giving his hat to a cancer survivor. We could talk about a 600 TD for the first time in history. But, I mean, are there any other storylines around this game that don't involve Tom Brady and how amazing he is? Very few. The fact that he, and he had done it previously, but obviously there was a lot of talking about Colin Cowherd who uh, had an issue with QBs wearing their hats backwards and how this is a sign of immaturity. Well, Tom Brady wore his hat backwards both on the sidelines and in the press conference yesterday. And as he threw his 600, 601, 602, look, where, where do you where do you you start with it? The, the Bucks look phenomenal. Uh, Godwin was fantastic yesterday. Mike Evans, they put an absolute beat down on the the Bears, who just couldn't get going in 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 any way, shape, or form. And the Bears have all sorts of issues and questions that they need to solve. But just on, I mean, in a year and a half in Tampa. Brady has 61 touchdowns and 15 interceptions. If the storyline story of the game is what way he wore his hat, it's a bit, a bit concerning. Um, Justin Fields was obviously, let's just say he was, once he's out of his depth, that's probably a bit too harsh. He struggled yesterday badly. Um, we, we touched on the blitz on the show. 
Um, in terms of him struggling against Blitzer, I think the second play of the game, he completely got blitzed and hammered to the ground. And five interceptions, I think four were in the first half. And given Brady, like if you look at Brady's throwing yard yesterday, they weren't over 300, but that's because he had such short fields to, to work with because the interceptions just just kept on coming. And the Bears, are, I think the Bears now are in a COVID situation. Matt Nagy now this afternoon has been confirmed as COVID and he may be absent for next weekend's game. Maybe the Bears fans will be all happy with that. Let someone else do the play calling and coaching the team. But uh, there was, I didn't expect it to be as excruciating as it was in terms of the score. It was 25-3 at halftime. You can hand the 38-3. There's one field goal in India. That the was second half. It was in the second yeah. half, yeah. Complete, complete shut off in terms of the game. And there's yeah, no and, there. and look, um, knows doesn't want doesn't want us to be too cruel on the Bears guys. Well, we don't have to be cruel. I think Tony Romo and Jim Nance were doing enough damage and being <laughs> mean enough to the Bears yesterday. I mean, it was still the first half. They were twenty-one nil down. They miss a field goal, and Jim Nance sarcastically goes, "And here come the Bears." I mean, Jesus Christ! I mean, the you know the number one broadcast team. They were being pretty rough and. Nance was reminiscing on how many touchdowns he's seen Brady score. And it seemed like they would rather be, I mean, it felt like for the second half, they were out playing golf, to be honest with you, for most of the game. Um, Tony Romo having a few digs at how important that field goal or passing up a field goal and going for it on fourth and goal was and things like that. So, look, there's not too much to say. As I said, you call it, Brian, as I said at the top of the show as well, like the defense turned up for Tampa Bay, which was long, long overdue. Um, but the Bears have issues. Romo and Hans had fun with it. Uh, and Brady, other than Mike Evans trying to give away the ball for his 600th touchdown, um, had himself a, 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 a certainly a, a very good day all round. Um, that being said, you mentioned about the COVID situation in, in Chicago. And breaking news, if anybody hasn't called it earlier on, that seems to be a bit of an NFC North challenge because the Packers have their own issues. The defensive coordinator has gone onto the COVID list. And only I just saw literally before we came online, Devontae Adams has been put on the COVID reserve list. And the cards are now two to five on for Thursday night football. Because if you're going on that list now, guys, you are not playing Thursday night. So the Packers are certainly going to be shorthanded for that game. Um, Colin, they weren't really shorthanded this weekend because Taylor Heineke did silly things like, you know, go down too early and take a Lambo leap. Green Bay fan taking a Lambo leap, but he just hadn't scored the touchdown. Slight problem. Yeah, he had talked all week, I suppose, about his excitement at playing at Lambo, but I mean, that's the difference when you get into the NFL. You have to make the most of the opportunities, and in back-to-back plays, he ended up costing them. What was he doing in terms of Look, he he had a straight run to get in for that touchdown and he goes down too early and they made a lot of play on commentary about how, sure, if you go back that number of years, it it would be different. But we're talking five years since the the rule change and then he doesn't doesn't get in. There were other moments where he played well. You know, the fact that he was downfield blocking and able to recover the the fumble uh, speaks to his grittiness. But grittiness alone is not going to be enough be a QB, a starting QB in, in this league. And the the Packers, I mean, R- Rogers, just some of, some of the things that he does are just kind of so ridiculous. In both, both in terms of the drama over the summer, but then you see him kind of do the crossbody throw 
and he just makes things look so so easy um the packers i thought looked you know Im impressive against a washington front that kind of woke up a little bit they make life very difficult um we know that they had the talent we'll never the, the great unanswerable in all of this is why does it work sometimes and, and not others but they certainly made life uncomfortable early on but um ultimately aaron Rodgers and the packers march on but to lose their dc and to lose devonta adams on a short week yikes i think washington will be slightly disappointed in a way i, think, I never felt they're going to win the game but they got into the red zone quite a few times and i know we we're talking about that particular touchdown that was real out, but there was also the also, the one where he fumbled in the red zone and took forever, seemed to get the decision made by, by the guys back in New York. So I, I feel they would have walked away from that game saying, we held them to 24 points in Lambeau and we had our opportunities in the red zone and we just didn't we didn't do enough. So maybe it's a turning point for Washington. We'll say they have the Broncos this weekend. But yeah, this game now on Thursday, which we were all very excited about and looking forward to a good show on Thursday with some good guests coming on. I think we might see the unraveling of the Packers because I don't think we're at the end of just the defense coordinator and Adam's been real there. I need a few more to come. The the unraveling of the pack is just for today or this week, Brian, or just in general? Is that no, it's just this Thursday? Just this Thursday. Okay, fair enough. If it, all things equal, I'm pretty honest, I find it hard to go against the Packers on, on Thursday night. Yeah. You know, but then look, it's, it's 7 0 against 6 and 1. You know, it's no one's shocked by who you pick in this game, but obviously, with key players like Adams being out and potentially a few more, you know, the game will get away from them. Well, I was shocked by Michael picking the Jets uh, this weekend, but we'll get to that in due course. Um, when it comes to the Packers, actually, you gave the stat about them being the seventh best defense. There, uh, you know, on the Sunday show, and I remember thinking at the time, I was like, I don't get the sense that they're a great defense necessarily. And I know um, Zadarius Smith is out, so they're, they're, or Zakaria Smith is out, so they're missing a little bit of their pass rush there. But um, I couldn't put my finger on what it was, and then we stopped watching the the Washington game. And they call out the stat that they were 15 for 15 touchdowns once a team got into the red zone against them. And I was like, oh, that's why I haven't felt like they've been an elite defense. Of course, then, as you alluded to, Brian, they stopped Washington on four red zone <laughs> tries yeah. in a row. So they kind of rectified some of their stats a little bit there. Um, but look, there, there, are, there were lots of really interesting games. One of the games, look, it was pouring down uh, with rain for the Colts versus the 49ers. Maybe they'd imported some of the tears from Manchester after the 5-0 loss of Man United uh, by Liverpool. If you didn't catch the game, guys, it was it was, it was, it was a bit of a beatdown. But anyway, Colts versus the 49ers. Uh, the Colts go marching on, and the 49ers are now on a four-game losing streak. Column, um, you know, what? what's the story there for both sides in relation to it? Because the, the storyline keeps evolving through the season. Yeah, well, the Carson Wentz reclamation project continues apace because he is on four straight games with two passing touchdowns and, and no interceptions. And that's the, the longest streak. you got to go back to Patrick Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers in weeks one to four last year. So Wentz is, is playing really well at the moment. And I think took advantage of a 49ers team that are ill-disciplined when it comes to defensive pass interference. You can get them on that. You just air it out and they're going to go at you. Uh, the Bucs, uh, I think, are the the only team who are in and around them, but the, the Bucs have played a, an extra game. And 
the I suppose for the um, for the Colts, you're looking at the fact that they have really begun to motor. They have Jonathan Taylor, who is an outstanding running back, and they're leaning into him. And they came up once again, Kyle Shanahan. And I know 49ers fans don't like it, but he always wants to be the smartest man in the room. And Darius Leonard said afterwards, uh, on about the opening um, plays where the 49ers were so successful. They did a great job, especially on the first drive of misdirection runs and putting us in bad positions to make plays. I was glad they kind of went away from that. So once again, Kyle has something that's working and Kyle wants to, you know, be, be you know, big brain Kyle and I can show what I can do. And Jimmy Garoppolo is a problem. But we knew Jimmy Garoppolo was a problem. But Kyle went up in the draft and got a QB who he then doesn't start behind a QB who he doesn't like. I don't know what's going on in uh, San Francisco, but they have got to figure it out and sort it out very quickly. Yeah, Carl Shannon's comment at the end when asked about, is Jimmy Garoppolo the star next week? Uh, yeah, I guess I think he would be. Uh, wasn't exactly a resounding uh, vote of confidence. Well, at least, he's, at least he might be alive because prior to the start of the season, we didn't know whether Jimmy was going to be alive the day after. That's that's true. That's true. Brian, D's comment there, is Robert Salah a top polls 2.0? Obviously, that has resonance on the Jets side of the house, but it equally has resonance on the 49ers side of the house. I mean, he's gone. That vaunted front four doesn't look the same. That defense doesn't look the same. Um, has the impact almost dented the 49ers just as much as it hasn't yet helped the Jets? Yeah, to a certain extent, I believe so. You saw the last couple of years how, you know, how clued in the players were and how positive they were around playing with them. And for him to go and once another defense coordinator comes in, doesn't necessarily always mean that you're going to see the same impact with the defense. And they are struggling that game last night before it kicked off with the rain. It's going to be a low-scoring game. So to get up this morning watch the highlights and see how reasonably high-scoring it was. Um, the 49ers are, in, are in, it's a difficult one. It's, you know, because you look at that game going in last night and me, me and Colin were, were high on, on the Colts, but I know yourself and Michael picked the 49ers. We felt having come off a boy, they would be ready to go and get the win. Hasn't played out that way. I think more so around the, the point on Trey Lance. Um, the reason why Jimmy will be playing next week is because we haven't seen enough of Trey Lance yet for him to make this step up and take over that responsibility. And ultimately, that's why Jimmy G will stay in that position. And um, just on Salah then, the Jets, the Jets went in yesterday and Michael picked them, but you're talking about beatdowns. I don't know why Bill Belichick was purposely wanting to give it to the Jets in particular because, you know, time and time again when he plays against them, he has to make a point of putting the extra dagger in the heart. And certainly that was the case. And look, Wilson was gone early with the injury, but the game is over even at that stage. And it looks like he's going to be gone for the bones of three to four weeks. And some players rocking up with touchdowns that I hadn't heard of before. J.J. Taylor, Mark, is that, that the name? Yeah, JJ JJ Taylor. We we carried a number of running backs. I mean, Sonny Michelle was deemed expendable because JJ Taylor uh, has run hard the last couple of off seasons. For Ronde Stevenson would have also gotten in there as uh, you know free agent. Uh, sorry, free agent, an undrafted free agent who was a good option in relation to uh, a backup situation. That's why we felt comfortable about trading away Michelle as uh, Patriots team fans uh, looked at it. So yeah, I mean. Hey, 54 points to 13, like 41-point beatdown. The only solace I can give the Jets is, of course, 
the Patriots have beaten them by more. 45-3 stands in the memory banks and everything. So, I mean, that's something to live by. Look, I'm going to enjoy it. And, of course, you do. A divisional game, you're always going to enjoy beating your opposition that badly. But there's not much to say about the game because, as you say, it was a bit of a beat down. It was over by halftime. Just like another game it was 4-0 at halftime. But, anyway... Colin, we'll move quickly on from the Patriots and the Jets because I don't want to be unfair and rub it into the Jets a bit too far. Um, well, unless you want to say anything else about that, but I'm wondering, can you be the neutral voice of calm to talk about the Panthers versus the Giants? Because if I talk about it, I'm going to lambast Sam Darnold too much. And if Brian talks about it, it's just going to descend into Giants fandom. So, you know, you, you, be, you be neutrality. You be Switzerland here. Well, I had taken the Giants because I thought they would get a response. And I don't have any belief in the Panthers. Going back to our preview show, I think Matt Rule generally is, is a builder, but it generally takes three years. And I think Sam Darnold has de derailed that. They have a real issue on, on their hands there because he has regressed. He might be, you know, he as bad as he was in his Jets days. And... Peyton Manning made Adam Gase a lot of money. Adam Gase provided a shield for Sam Darnold and may have made Sam Darnold a lot of money because people thought it was all on Adam Gase. And the Panthers, you know, gave up not a first round, but they gave up enough to go and get him. Then they appeared to hesitate and they didn't pick up that fifth-year option initially and we all wondered, were they going to do something in the draft? Then they did pick it up. And now they are lumbered with Sam Darnold. And, and what do you do with him? Because it's not, it's not working. The, they brought in the backup and that didn't work either. But like a, a stat that I saw from uh, Adam Levitan earlier on, which was really interesting, it kind of highlights where the issue with the Panthers. Roby Anderson has 20 targets over the last two weeks. It's resulted in 25 receiving yards. I mean, that has to be some sort of record. You're targeted 20 times and you, it results in 25 yards. The The Panthers have, have a lot of issues. The Giants still have a lot of issues. I mean, it helps when you're playing the, the Panthers, but the, the Giants have, have Moxie and they Joe Judge managed to, to coax a, a result out of them. Danny Dimes played very well he in fairness to he put the the team on his back which is what you need your QB to do and if he is to to get another season there that's what we're going to need to see more of uh that you know that's where QB makes a difference in that sort of game and in in fairness uh to to the Giants I I just thought that we we'll see but missing a missing a lot of players and they were able to to get it done but you've got the the chiefs coming up um you know if if there was a time to play the chiefs certainly next week is it brian what are what are your thoughts about your giants see the problem today is that people all people say ah but it was only the panthers so there's no point in me giving it giving it large but the fact that the defense played so well but i was very high in the defense going into the season and the defense that played yesterday was what i expected six sacks and Ujilari, our second round pick, I mean, he's just progressing into a nice nice player. Two and a half sacks yesterday. Standout player so far on a, on a defense, which has been very poor. But um, we're not going to talk about the trick play, no? I mean, we've seen the trick play. Oh, the, 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 the athletic skills from Daniel Jones with the one-handed catch. 
on the kind of special it, type it, it actually reminds me, Mark, and I'm not trying to have a go at you, right? And oh, great, oh, not making oh, the catch in the Super yeah, Bowl. Yeah, I know well, exactly where you're going but, with but it. But I'm going to put that down to age. I'm going to put that one down to age. I mean, Tom is old and he's got all the rings. You know, he, he's got probably more rings than Mr. T had, you know, this, you know, at this stage. But, you know, he couldn't reach out. But, look, you have to say it was a fantastic catch. And, and, the more, and, and all the stuff coming out today is, is really enjoyable. And, sorry, just on Colin's point, everybody keeps going, Daniel Jones isn't good enough. And people then, we ask him, say, why? Say, oh, interceptions. But if you actually look at the stats throughout the season, he is putting the team on his back. And last week's game, Fair enough, he's going up against a difficult opposition in the Rams who are angry wanting him to go to Super Bowl. So you're right. I think we have a we have a fair crack at this team next week. It reminds me of last year when we went into Seattle and nobody gave us a chance. See, Chiefs are one to five. One to five and they're struggling. So. Um I'll, Brian, I'll be honest. I, I was calling now. I think that's the best game I've ever seen Daniel Jones play. He's probably thrown for more yards, he's thrown for more touchdowns, but it was a complete performance and he's put a number of them together and it's not just the catch it was making the right decisions being decisive not making the city throw not trying to overthink things um even i know it sounds silly but even sometimes throwing the ball away when he had to like it yeah. was a really good performance by him and a deserved win by the giants another team whoever had a great win at the weekend don't worry, Brian, I'm not going to say Liverpool, but it was very deserved. Colin called them out at the start of the show. The Raiders, Colin, so you said you were, you know, impressed by them and very impressed by those. I mean, take us through the Raiders versus the Eagles, obviously bringing it home, staying atop of the AFC best or AFC West, whichever you like to call it. Well, look, I think the, the Raiders did a job in, in terms of cutting out a cancer in Gruden and Derek Carr has been, is having a season. Now, he needs to continue this, right? We have seen this from Derek Carr before, and sometimes he falls off. But right now, in fairness to Derek Carr, he couldn't have done more yesterday. 31 of 34, 323 yards, uh, 90.9% completion rate. He was fantastic. And he, like, he, if you're talking about, you know, putting teams on your back, like he has become the face of that franchise and a franchise, you know, that we all associate with diversity and, and their longstanding tradition and then hurt by that. But in fairness to Derek Carr, he's stepped up, he's rallied the team and yesterday he, he was really good. Just very quickly on the, uh, the other quarterback because Jalen Hurts is going to cop an awful lot of flack. Right, but it wasn't just Jalen Hurts because when he threw his tenth pass of the day, okay, there there was about nine minutes gone in the second quarter, right, and they the game was tied at seven at seven seven. He didn't throw another pass uh, for until the next quarter, and at that point they trailed twenty four seven. Um, so it's not just on on Jalen Hurts, the Eagles' run defense against uh, a Raiders team that have struggled to, to run the ball was really not good. Now, it, interested to see if the Raiders run gets better, then Derek Carr could get even better if the if, if that was just on the, the Eagles, then it's going to be a, a, a long, long season for them. So 
kudos to, to the Raiders. They sit atop the, the division mm -hmm. right now. And given everything that went on, they, they, uh, their fans uh, can enjoy this week. Absolutely. Josh Jacobs coming back as well and kind of reopening up that run game for the Raiders that was big. We're going to cut to a couple of bits on Twitter, actually, in a second. But before we do one last game to touch on, Brian, maybe I'll throw it to you. The reunion klaxon was going off, obviously, in the Lions versus Rams. We said about the reunion klaxon going off for J.J. Watt and DeAndre Hopkins also going back to Houston with the cards. Obviously, the cards coming out strong in that game. What were your takeaways from that game? Yeah, look, in fairness to the Texans, we've touched on it and start throughout the first few weeks of the season. They do play for the coach, but ultimately, they're just not a good side. I mean, they played well in the first half. They were five, five in the opponent stage, and the cards never got going. And when they did, the game just quickly got away from them. It was a comfortable game in the end. And then Hopkins, Cork, and then Zachary to the touchdown. I mean, they, they couldn't live with them. And offensively, they're not a great side. Sorry, he has to be Davis Mills. I mean, I feel sorry for the guy. He's been thrown in at the deep end so early in his career because obviously the injury situation. But you have to wonder should they consider bringing in another quarterback who has a bit of experience from another team that's playing back up and give them the opportunity to put them in games because we're finding once they're in games in the first half, they're quickly blowing out games. And I know with the exception, maybe when the page struggled there a few weeks ago. But look, the cards, it was one, it was a weird one in the way because I felt the cards might be looking ahead towards the game on Thursday night against the Packers. And, they may not win as comfortably as they did in the end, but you know the cards. The cards keep on rolling. And Texans for me was they play for the coach. They're the, they're the poorest team in the league, without a doubt. Yeah, um, we didn't unfortunately see the JJ Watt tight end package, but in random synchronicity, I thought about this the other day. Zach Ertz, who's joined the, the Cards now, obviously his wife Julie Ertz uh, plays professional women's soccer. Kiali, uh, Kiali Watts, as her name is now, JJ Watts' wife, also plays professional women's soccer as well. And I just thought that's a nice connection for them and it will help JJ and Zach when they line up in the tight end position, I think, at some point in the season. I'm convinced we're going to see that again. Guys, before we turn our attention to Monday Night Football, I know we put it out there on Twitter earlier on just to get people's views and thoughts on their team thus far. So I'm going to read out a few of these, and if you put them up as well, feel free to read some of the ones that you enjoyed out. But there were some great ones. I want to say, as a bunch, um, mostly people are depressed, basically. People were more than happy to share how unhappy they were with their teams. There's a few Bengals and Raiders ones we'll get to where they're very happy, but uh, ones that made me laugh. MH said, I'm a Jets fan and obviously made a lot of bad life choices. Also a Man United fan, hashtag Black Sunday. Danny O'Brien said the Steelers' offense make a 100-yard field look like 120 yards, but TJ Watt is worth that money already. Um, there's plenty of people hating on the Broncos uh, uh, column, which won't come as a massive surprise. In fact, in one of the best Irish lines ever, Neil Bradshaw, Broncos fan, shite. Um, <laughs> long season ahead. <laughs> it was just brilliant. Um, Mikey, who's a Vikings fan, just said, it's the hope that kills me. Um, which, we all live, we we all live that world. Yeah, but like as I've said, never bet on the Vikings. I can't imagine what it's like to support them. Um, Steelers play so hot and cold from JT Seahawks, and I can't show it, but there's uh, Forky from Toy Story Four with a meme saying "I'm trash," and he's just put that underneath the uh, the name Seahawks, which kind of gives it worry. Uh, Jacob thinks there's hope for the Atlanta Falcons, but the defense makes him worried. 
Uh, more Jets fans hating the Jets. More Jets fans on the Jets. Tampa Bay Bucks, nothing to worry about offense. Secondary, however, is a different story, except when they're playing the Chicago Bears. Um, and the Pax fans, great fa- great start. Huge potential season definer this Thursday night. I have a feeling he tweeted that before the COVID-19 news started to hit by and everything. But then few Raiders coming in. Owen Farrell, very disappointed with the 49ers. The whole organization is a mess, start, mess starting with the coaching and player selection. I know injuries have played a part, but it's time to start the future. Start and stick with Trey Lance. The future looks bright, but the season has been a disaster. Owen, pretty pretty strong there, man. Um, tip the Bengals, obviously weighing in with positivity around the Bengals. Cowboys, Fred and the Irish Cowboys, starting to think the Cowboys can make a run. There's a few people there. And John Cahill uh, about the Browns. I don't know whether to laugh or cry. More questions than answers. At the end of the day, still happy to be firmly in play for the playoffs. Um, we can't go through them all. There's a good few Dolphins fans having the crack. Mark, my, my favorite was simply from Sweet QT, who just said, sadness at Washington. I think that sums up the situation with the Washington football team. I, I think that's I think that's a good one. Absolutely, Brian. Any favorites in them, or just I mean, don't do we see any Giants ones? No, 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 no. They come right. in DMs to me. I just mature them. No, I think the uh, fairness thing probably the best one really was Owens from the rounds. The 49ers, a balanced, a balanced one. You know, there is some positives at the end of the road, but it's changes needed. But uh, no, it's great to see all the response. It's great to see all the interaction. You know, that's absolutely. Awesome. As we often talk about, look, we're 32 counties in the in the island of Ireland, but there's 32 teams in the NFL and all of them are supported. And we appreciate your feedback uh, and inputs in relation to it, guys, because we know we all you all love the game. Boys, it feels like time. Well, I know we're going to talk about the betting in a little while as well, but it feels like time to turn our attention to not what's gone, but what's to come. And to come tonight, obviously, is our lovely uh, futuristic Monday night football game. Uh, with the Seahawks and the Saints. So, um, Colin, break it down for us. What's going to happen in this game and who's going to win? Well, it was around this time last year where the Seahawks began to sort out their defensive woes. But at that point, they had Russell Wilson, who is magic. They have Geno Smith, who is the... um, you know, he he's he's maybe the Joe Bluth if we're talking about magicians. If if Russell Wilson is a magician, um, he is uh, the Joe Bluth of, of magicians. Any Arrested Development fans will get that. The I I just the, the Saints have a whole host of players coming back from um, I IR and they they look. I mean, I I've said a number of times they're Jekyll and Hyde, and I still think that that is the case. If Russell Wilson um, was playing, you could make a lot more of a case for Seattle. But with um, with him out and with the, the Saints getting guys back, you, you would have to think that this should be there for, for the Saints. They should have enough. But look, we, we know to, to expect the unexpected in, in this um, in this game. Could Geno Smith lead the, the Seahawks? And any anything is is possible, and we saw 
you know, some results yesterday that were, you know, maybe a, a little bit uh, closer than, than we anticipated. And I don't, this is not going to be a Patriots-Jets type uh, of game. Um, but the Saints, Sean Payton is, is is a very smart coach, much like Belichick. He manages to get the best out of, out of what he has. And so with the with them coming back you'd have to have them i think as the heavy favorites for for this game so you're going saints and ellie goulding used to sing anything can happen and brian do you any news from us in relation to anything happening in the nfl i do mark i have a big quarterback trade for you just to announce that just been announced in the last couple of minutes and i know we're coming up to the deadline next week and we touched on the show two to the broncos potentially deshaun watson uh, maybe going to the Dolphins and Michael's come back in because he wants to hear the big quarterback news. Well, Joe Flacco has just been traded to the Jets. <laughs> good, good. They got that veteran quarterback there to, to steady the ship. Michael yeah, is in disbelief. Yeah, it's just been he's in absolute disbelief. Michael, you were the man in black, and just because before potentially your Wi-Fi goes again because it looks like you're doing this by candlelight. Um, let's turn to you and Monday Night Football. Hey, well, I heard half that sentence for a start. I don't know if you boys can hear me. I mean, just give me a thumbs up if you can hear me. Okay, yeah. Okay, great. Just for anybody watching, and I sat for 35 minutes before the show started on a balcony, and the minute the intro hit, sprinklers everywhere. So I had to go. So if it was, you know, very vocal in certain aspects, and um, it is what it is, and I'm just devastated. Anyway, Monday Night Football pick, I'm going to go with the Saints. Uh, I can't put the graphic up yet because I'm going to go last, but thank you for that, Mark. And I'm going to go with the Saints. I think they'll, I think Kamara will score two or three touchdowns. But then again, I picked the Jets yesterday, and I picked uh, the Panthers yesterday. Sorry, bro. No problem Sorry about that. We all make mistakes, Michael. We all make mistakes in life. Some of us See. support wrong football teams. It's okay. Brian, <laughs> what about you on this game tonight? Yeah. <laughs> It's a tricky one because I think, in fairness, um, we saw a reasonably good performance out of the Seahawks last week. You know, they, they were 14 0 down in Pittsburgh, and people probably felt that game was done and dusted. And they rallied, and they always tend to do put a you know a good performance in for their head coach because, well, you some people love him, some people hate him. I think it's fair to say the players do play for him. But for me, it's the Geno Smith situation. He had a good game when he came in in that game against the Rams a few weeks ago. But we find that with, with backups, they come in during games. Teams haven't schemed for them. They play reasonably well. But when he gets to a stage after a couple of weeks and there's a bit more footage for teams to work on, they don't tend to do very well. So for me, I think the Saints will go in and win and continue this kind of surprise element because a lot of people, including myself, felt they wouldn't be that challenging this year in terms of the division. And they played the Bucks this weekend in New Orleans. So they need this win to be in with a chance of potentially going top of the division. So you're going Saints as well. I don't know, guys. I know next weekend is Halloween, but it feels like we're bringing in Halloween soon. First of all, there's Joe Flacco news. And all I can hear on that is like, he's back, kind of poltergeisty type of thing. Michael looks like he's filming the Blair Witch Project 3. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and then we've got, we've got Monday Night Football between Geno Smith and Jameis Winston, which could get really, really ugly and scary for anybody who likes actually offensive play. Um, do you know, it, Christ almighty, Colin, you nailed it on the head. I mean, stranger things have happened. But... I saw enough for Geno Smith. I'm sure the Jets fans that we were just calling out on Twitter there, giving their, their feedback, saw more than enough of Geno Smith. 
And if he is the answer, guys, I don't really want to know what the question is. Jameis Winston's been bad, Jameis, and good Jameis, all sometimes in the same game with the Saints. Um, but I'm banking much more on Sean Payton and particularly on Alvin Kamara to steady the ship and see the Saints through. And if they win tonight, four and two, they're in prime position still around the wild card. So, you know, we wouldn't necessarily have envisaged that at the start of the year when we were considering the great Taysom Hill slash Jameis Winston debate. So I think it's a full house on the Saints then. Um, Colin, you might remember that Joe Flacco guy. Well, didn't he turn up in the Broncos at some point? Um, yeah, I, I just, Jets fans have been so long suffering, right? And only the Jets as an organization could look at the Philadelphia roster, right? And, and what, Zach Wilson is out probably four to six weeks from what I saw earlier on. I, I guess they're, they don't want a QB controversy, but why you bring Flacco in? I mean, surely bring bring Menchu and give yourself something. Joe Flacco is a disaster and has been a disaster ever since winning the Super Bowl. Yes, Baltimore, he gave you some magical moments and the Mile High Miracle and Ratty Moore being fall, falling over and, and that wonderful playoff run. He has been an unmitigated disaster ever since. He was a nightmare at the Broncos. He was worse again when he went to the Jets. Last year, 55% completion. He's not a leader. He's he's all about himself. He is there to pick up a paycheck. But unlike Bra uh, Sam Bradford, who at least went about his business without creating a fuss, Joe Flacco is awful. Terrible person, terrible QB. Fitting that he ends up with the Jets. I thought the Jets were over making poor decisions. Here we are again. Joe Flacco owes me a weekend £1,600 sterling. And the win. I went and seen him against the, uh, the Bears two, three years, well, two or three years ago. Just disgusting, boys. That's all I'm going to say. Right. Anyway, I just want to make a quick one because we've been putting up the comments from people and we just got, when we got one in there, we didn't get an opportunity to put it up. Aaron, who's actually in Chicago watching the show and he's a Cards fan. So he must be a very happy man at the moment. There we go. So uh, thanks, Aaron, for your support uh, watching the show from the States. And, uh, oh, <laughs> yes, he is going back. He's going back to the Jets. I assume he's talking about Joe Flacco and not someone in Chicago traveling back home. But uh, yeah, Cars fans so will be very happy, especially now hearing all the news about uh, the Packers players potentially being out on Thursday as well. And from anyone being cynical as to, well, Aaron supporting the Cards in Chicago because it's better than supporting the Chicago Bears, bear in mind, of course, the Arizona Cardinals originated from. The Chicago Cardinals. So they actually were a franchise that originated in the Windy City there. So thanks for joining us tonight. Michael, you've settled down now. I think it's less Blair Witch. It's a little bit more Halloween now with the, the bright light. I'm, I'm really annoyed. I probably could have stood out here the whole time like this, but I didn't know it was going to get soaked. If it helps anybody, all my clothes are soaked now. Um, just very quickly, I don't know if I missed it or not because it took me 20 or 30 minutes to get on here. Have we talked about Justin Fields? Have, have we mentioned about Justin Fields yesterday? Are we all going to talk about it? Uh, all, okay. I, I, I commented on the fact that he threw five interceptions and he struggled yesterday. And I said, I'm not sure if the game was too soon for him, but he had a very difficult day. The offensive line, in fairness, didn't, give him, didn't help him out either, in fairness. Mm. We, we, were, we were nice, Michael. I mean, Bears fans like have suffered enough. It's like I was even nice to Jets fans tonight. Like I mean, there's a time for healing and there's a time you don't want to be reminded of 
devastating losses where a game's already over by halftime, where, you know, key players are removed in the you second know, half. Does he realise I have the button I can take him off? Where, Stop where talking you question the existence of the management. You know, that that type of thing. I You don't want to be reminded of it. I get it. We won't bring it up. It's fine. I, 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 we were nicer than I was on the WhatsApp group last night when I saw Tom Brady getting someone to do his dirty work for him and go off and get the ball back. Give me a break. The guy's got all these rings, numerous footballs, Hats wearing backwards, and he go go and get me that football. Go get it yourself. It was it was the middle of a game, Brian. I think he's got other things to worry about than he's getting the football. Line. And the box probably will display that in some respect. Oh, it's not necessarily for Brady. I mean, if Mike Evans I... hadn't given it away, we wouldn't be there. Before we get moving, Brian, the betting lines with Matchbook Betting Exchange, our great sponsors for this evening's game. I think the Saints are floating around from minus five and a half points. On the game, so the expectation is to win by a touchdown. It'll be a close enough game, and they'll win by, you know, touchdown. It's a tricky one. As I said, I think Seattle will hang around, but I feel that Saints will just win. Um, I think the bookies have called it right. It's a, it's a tight game. Right, and there's uh, just a flashed up a reminder in relation to the welcome off that you can still get with Matchbook if you use your bonus code Irish NFL Show, which is a welcome offer in pounds or in euros. Uh, please read all the terms and conditions carefully and gamble aware. Please bet responsibly. Michael, as you're you're out there in the dark, lurking, Michael Myers, Freddy Krueger, Jason Voorhees, they all spring to mind. But have you anything before we get into Halloween week and the the, the bearings to bear, send us home safely, hopefully? I would just... Obviously, next time I go away, I'm going to get somewhere with decent Wi-Fi. And uh, I'm looking forward to Thursday night. I, I can't wait to see how we're all going to sit for an hour and preview Thursday night football because it seems as if it's going to be very interesting after the last couple of months. Michael, by the time you get back in the country, Brian will have erected a life-size statue of Daniel Jones making the one-handed catch in his garden. It's uh, it's already on order and uh, anatomically correct in every which way. Hang on, hang on. I've got a better, better one for you. There we are. Look at that. Brian, I'm, I'm, I'm delighted, man. I am I'm buzzing. As I said the other day, <laughs> the more teams that win for my team, the better. Well, we've got two first rounders next year, so um, I hope Noel's still not on the show because I, I, if the Bears continue to lose, we'll be, we'll be all happy. There's another nice one for you. The Statue of Liberty's getting replaced. God, how, how a day boys can change New York sports, eh? Can't wait oh, to see next year. Well, well, I mean, if, come here. if you, Brian you, gets a life-size statue of him I'll I'll get the life-size statue of Daniel Jones falling over after running down the field uh, with no one's tackling. You know, just as a degree of equilibrium to the whole match. He felt sorry for Wayne Garman on that particular drive because he scored on the next play, but let's not worry about that. Love it. Love it. Is the all-train for the Giants come next Monday? Well, with the exception of you, Mark. But those two boys in that division will be cheering for the Giants when we go into Arrowhead. Well, look. Football. and it's on at 12 o'clock because of the time difference next week. Happy oh. days, M- much, much kinder. Lots, to, lots to look forward to on Thursday night show, lots to look forward to on next Sunday show, and lots to look forward to next Monday night. Thanks to everyone for uh, joining us this evening, it's been a lot of fun. And uh, Michael, enjoy the, the rest of your time in Portugal. We look forward to having you back with us for Thursday evening, live in HD. And uh, talk to everyone then. Obrigado. Obrigado. <laughs>